Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the Daily Records, Andy Newport and Fraser Wilson. Welcome, boys. Hi, Gav. How are you? Good, good. So, obviously, we'll start... Well, there's only one place to start. Uh, Ibrooks on Sunday. Uh, well, I'm saying there's only one place to start. I don't know where to start, Andy. I'll come to you because <laughs> you were covering the game. I can only say that uh, when I was watching it in telly, uh, I had every sympathy for you. Uh, Fraser, you've probably been in that movie as well before, but just just, just to start off, Andy, I mean, in terms of covering a game like that, okay, it's a half-four kickoff. I know an eight o'clock kickoff on a Wednesday night would be much worse in terms of deadlines, but, I mean, how difficult is it, you know, trying to get your head around all that when when there's so much going on. There was, I mean, I tell you what, a few weeks ago, if you recall, um, the game up at Petodre, uh just before Christmas, uh, where there's obviously the two goals in injury time, it didn't, you know, two, two late goals is bad enough, but when they utterly turn around um, the course of a match, uh, it's, it's the worst nightmare for, for journalists. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, what uh, better it would be our colleague Scott Burns doing the game than me? I was off that night, so I managed to. I, I sat there and had a wee right grin at myself. Well, this is karma coming back to, to haunt me. Um, <laughs> I mean, as you say, thankfully, it was a four o'clock kickoff, so we weren't quite under the same uh, deadline pressures we would be for a midweek game, but yeah, I mean, it's just. It's one of those ones you never want to read back your copy. And I never want to read back my copy at the best of times. But, uh, <laughs> You're doing yourself a disservice. So is it pencils up the nose, that kind oh, of thing? Tongue-poiling <laughs> in the head. You're running around. Teeth's on fire. Um, it was, it's just... I mean, you're just... There's just so much going on. Actually, at one point, I'd failed my match report and we went down to do the managers and speak to them afterwards. Um I've I filed my stuff. I thought I've I've not filed my mat, the, the back page uh, story uh, that goes in the back page. I'd not mentioned the Tavernier penalty, so I had to phone the desk and ask them to flip that in. I'm thinking, right, I've just about I think I've just about covered everything off that. So up I, I can drive home and just as I'm pulling out the driveway, I get a call from one of my colleagues to say, by the way, that's this will just sacked uh, Ian McCall. <laughs> what is going on? This is absolutely crazy. This is honestly I, I mean, I've covered a lot of mental games uh, down the years in Scottish football, but that was that's certainly one that was up there. And obviously the incident uh, with the Tilbin goal and the Rami. And I mean, I, I turned around to a colleague um, last night uh, and it all played out. The, the Tiffany Gold went in and I went, right, okay, I've seen what's happened, but can somebody actually tell me what did happen? Because it all happened in a flash. I, I was I was head down typing at one point. And I look up. Thomas had the ball in the net. There's a full scale Rami. Then there's been a pitch side discussion. Then Tiffany's gone through. Alan McGregor's nearly brought him down. And there's been a goal. And what the whole thing was crazy. So, but I glad it's over now. I must say. And when you pulled into that driveway and you spoke to your colleague and he told you Ian McCall been sacked and you and you wrote that up. How many beers did you have? Uh, two. I had just the two, but I had grand plans of staying up to watch the Super Bowl after all that, and I made the first play, then I couched out on the couch, so that was, that, that, that tells you the, the effect it had, uh, 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 drained I think is the way, to, the way to sum it up, but there we go. But. All right. 
Okay. That's a bonus if he missed the Super Bowl, eh? What are you really <laughs> watching that rubbish for? I, I don't even know what the score is still. Well, what was it you were calling it earlier on? Peanut huggers? Aye, maybe better not mention that. <laughs> Aye, um, but no. Who, who won that one? The, the Red Sox? No. <laughs> okay. So, um, so when Andy's uh, earning his corn, Fraser, uh, with a dramatic thrilling fifth round tie with everything now now draw where you at at the weekend oh i'm a thriller wraith wraith rovers turning on the style of course you had drama that's right you were fine most just sackings galore they've both seen a sack in this weekend it's not nice sandy is it your manager didn't know what was coming. I yeah. think Hamill had clearly, Steve, poor Stevie Hamill, Motherwell legend, sacked after six months in the job, but clearly knew exactly what was coming if it hadn't already been told. I side, sidestepped the, the major, left us waiting, and we're still waiting. <laughs> you, you, you two are a jinx. Somebody else will be hosting. <laughs> I'm going to be. St. Mirren and Ross County beware this weekend for me then. Yeah, but Fraser, I mean, uh, obviously we weren't there, Andy was there, he's witnessed all this sort of drama firsthand. Uh, well, let's start with with the gesture. Um, so Malik Tillman's down getting injured, the ball gets put out of play. It looks like he doesn't know what is going on. The ball's been put out of play. Uh, the thistle throw-in is taken. They're going to presumably give it back to Rangers. He chases it down, scores. Michael Beale allows Patrick Thistle to score after a bit of uh, discussion with James Tavernier and Ian McCall in the opposite dugout. Let's Patrick Thistle score. I mean, I'm surprised, I must admit, but some fans seem to be split on whether Michael Beale did the right thing. I mean, I, I just thought it was the right thing. I, I was amazed that there was anybody thinking otherwise. Can you understand that he would be getting any kind of stick for that from his own fans? I was on the hotline this morning, and you're right. The, the opinion is completely split down the middle with Rangers fans. Yeah. Uh, so as why? So the ones who are against it, why? But because the on, on the one hand, the understand exactly how Michael Beale explained it, that um, Tillman had no idea what was going on because he'd been down on the ground injured at the the, the moment uh, the ball was played out and didn't know why how it had become to be a, a throw-in. Um, and also some reckon, I'm not sure about this, but some reckon Kevin Holt had no plan at all to give it back to Rangers and simply took a rotten touch. I don't go along with that. I think I think Big Holt it was a certainty to to be launching it back to Rangers in a far safer area of the park, which you see happen most games actually in these incidents. But those that uh, reckon Bill was wrong uh, fear that at that time of the game it could have come back to bite his team badly at a key point of the game and. Gave this a, a sniff of victory and a, a, what would have been a humongous shock. Mm-hmm. I've seen Gav, I've seen a lot of people saying it was weak of Michael Beale to do that, that he was, you know, that had the shoe been another foot that E. McCall wouldn't have done it, or another ma- another Scottish Premiership manager, had it been in the league, wouldn't have done the same thing. But 
I'm not sure that's uh, an argument that Rangers need to concern themselves with. End of the day, Michael Beale made the right call, and I think it was a brave call. I oh. think it was a, you know, it, it, for him to stand there with fifty thousand people screaming for him, uh, Rangers just to basically play on and, and and take the goal. The easiest thing in the world for him would have just in that sense said, no, no, we'll, we'll, let let kick off and we'll, we'll take the goal, but. No, I think fair play to him. He knew that that's not the way that Rangers need to win a game. And he was absolutely right. He said afterwards that, you know, the Rangers don't need that kind of goal to beat Partick Thistle. And, you know, yeah, of course it was risky and it could have backfired, but I think it shows his faith in this team. Uh, I think it shows a real sort of, you know, the steely character that he, I think he, he's going to need to be a successful Rangers manager um, for him to stand up and make that that call. And I think he deserves praise for it. Um, you know, obviously, Mark Tillman, you know, he was right in front of me as he was down. He, I can assure you, but he wasn't looking at what was happening. He was, he'd been sort of stamped on. Um, I think it was Harry Milton that sort of stamped on him. He, he, he just hadn't seen what how the, the situation had played out with Antonio Cholak putting out for a throw-in. So the fact that uh, Michael Beale uh, was able to, you know, in that situation with a you know very short amount of time come up with what was the, the absolutely the right decision i think he deserves huge praise for him. and it means that yeah okay this is still a talking point and we're obviously sitting here today discussing that but it's not the it's taking some of the the air out of what would have been a huge controversy if that had been the way that rangers had got their way into the scottish cup quarterfinals i it's a brilliant talking point andy imagine being the man that had to make that decision in that atmosphere, live TV, 50,000 fans, the game sitting the way it was, to keep a clear head and make the decision the way it did, consulting with the right people, consulting with the players, and, and maybe it took five or six minutes, but that's nothing in the, in the grand scheme of things. I've seen VAR decisions take longer than that. For, for what, to my knowledge, is a first in Scottish football, I just thought they went about it very professionally and I agree with you, came to the right decision. Yeah, because um, Motherwell actually scored a goal against Celtic. It was Brendan Rodgers' last game in charge of Celtic because I remember that day uh, the story broke about Leicester City's interest in Brendan Rodgers and I remember thinking after the game because it was a huge row and I think him that uh, you know that he was, he was for the off. I remember thinking it was so convenient because it it, it changed the narrative. And there was such a furore over it, and he had a go. James Scott, Ryan Christie was off getting treatment. James Scott uh, didn't give the ball back. He crossed, and Motherwell scored. And Brendan Rodgers slaughtered James Scott after it, who was only eighteen at the time. And it was only later on when he joined Leicester. I remember thinking it, it was really it was handy for him to have that to deflect from the, the, the fact that it was going to go to, to go to Leicester. But here's a question for you, Fraser. If it was 2-1, uh, if that was an equaliser for Celtic or it was a Europa League quarter-final, would the same thing have been done? Huh? What, what do you want me to say here? If that had been... Sorry, I'm saying if, if the situation yesterday, if, if, if Rangers were... Um, from the same situation you know do you th you know what i'm saying is was it, was it, was it easy to make that to, was it easy for michael beale to do that 
in a game against lower league opposition with a yes, yes, far was... easier in a game like that. Of course, it is. Uh, Rangers are well on top, um, rightfully confident they go on and finish the game anyway. Uh, had that been a European tie against a higher calibre of opposition, <clears throat> oh, I might know what decision they'd have come to. I bet it would have taken a lot longer than six minutes, though, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love Dallin McGregor, mate, honest. Right, oh. come on. If I was in his shoes, I'd have been even worse. I probably would have pulled Tiffany down. I'd have been ev doing everything to stop that ball going in his net. That's what makes Alan McGregor the goalkeeper he is. I thought that the rest of the team part ways, and Alan McGregor's like, no, no, I'm not. You're still working for your goal, mate. Yeah. People don't, in the juniors, people don't put the ball out of play when somebody's injured, do they? No, they just, no. they just let them sort of bleed to death on the, on the outside 18-yard box. Absolutely. No, that's why it's a better, a better game, the juniors. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there were two penalties given in the match, one for I each side, OK? Uh, first one for Patrick Thistle to take the lead. The ball's headed off Antonio Cholak's arm. Looks, to me, anyway, as if he couldn't do anything about it. Uh, certainly the pundits who I have seen comment on it um, said, I think Marvin Bartley described it as mind-boggling. Rangers got a penalty of their own in the second half. James Tavier missed it. Malik Tillman tripped. It looked like the initial contact was outside of the box. Both were referred to VAR. Uh, first of all, what did you think? Were they both penalties or not? Um, no, I didn't think either of them were penalties, to be honest. Um I think there's a couple of things here. So in terms of the, the handball rule, um, you know, Michael Beale, so I, I think he had uh, sympathy with the officials, David Monroe and Stephen Kirkland was the VAR. Um, he had sympathy because he was seeming to suggest that this is just the way the rule is, is as written at, at the, the present day. But for me, I mean, I think the games get itself in a real muddle with handball. For me, handball back in the day used to be guys chucking an arm out, deliberately trying to, you know, gain an advantage or, you know, stop a goal or, or stop a, a cross. Nowadays, I mean, you've got players that have literally have no idea where the ball is and it's striking an arm in a totally natural position and they're getting penalised for that. Antonio Charlotte had no idea where the ball was. It's come over his head, he's turned round and it's glanced and it's taken the, you know, the absolute briefest, you know, uh, glance off his arm. Um, I, I just I cannot see how I, I wrote my piece. That there's no way that that can be described as a deliberate handball. And I know obviously they've changed the wording on on things now. It's all to do with silhouettes and you know natural positions. But for me, that was uh, VAR. Another incident where VAR has got it wrong. Um, in terms of the Tillman incident, uh, Stuart Bannigan. I need to go back and check the, 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 the present day wording, but I, I think there is such a thing as uh, that if a foul continues into the box, then it can be given as a penalty. But for me, it just wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was soft. It was very, very soft. I just didn't think it was enough for Tillman to go down like that, um, or that it would, you would characterise it as a penalty. So, you know, not a, another another example where VAR hasn't, uh, or certainly people operating VAR, I should say, haven't covered themselves in glory, but then again, we've seen a couple of absolute shockers down in England, so it's not something that um, is uh, peculiar to Scotland at, at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean, two two very poor awards, uh, penalty awards decisions there, so um, not a great day for the, for the people operating the, the, the VAR technology. 
here's the thing, Fraser. We had the story last week, uh, or the story came out uh, in the build-up to, to, to the Scottish Cup last 16 ties. I mean, when the Premiership clubs voted in favour of VAR when it was introduced, 41 out of the 42 clubs agreed to bring it in. Uh, Morton were the only team, I think, who voted against it. So the cost was shared out amongst all the top flight clubs, 1.2 million, sliding scale. Um, so they all agreed to pay that, um, depending on where you finish in the table. But it doesn't cover Scottish Cup ties until the semi-final, and it doesn't cover via play cup ties and also again till the semi-final. So in order to use it, you can only use it at Premiership grounds where the infrastructure is already in place, the technology is already in place, but to turn it on and operate it for one game costs around £10,000. So Dundee United Livingston were both at home in the Scottish Cup at the weekend, but opted not to use it. They decided not to pay the £10,000. David Martindale said, well, the money could be spent on you know other areas. Now, they can split the cost, so it could be five grand each. But what does that tell you about what they think of VAR? that they actually don't even want to pay the money to use mm -hmm. it. And also, what does it is their point underlined by the fact that at Ibrooks VAR was in use and two penalties were awarded. The referee on both occasions goes to VAR and everybody seems to accept that they weren't penalties. I mean, does that not just highlight why David Martindale was right to say, well, why spend why why would you I I'm, I don't want I'm loath to use that word, but why would you waste ten thousand pound on using VAR if that's what's going to happen? Hitting the own head, ten thousand pound to Livingston in particular is a reasonable amount of money, and uh -huh. it does tell you everything about what they think about the system. The fact that the two games where all the controversy came from this weekend were the two games that had VAR installed also tells you everything you need to know about the controversy and. Yeah. It's one of the, just the, I don't, no false promises, but we were led to believe that VAR was going to get, what was it, 95% of the big decisions right and eradicate the fact that we spend weekend upon weekend debating decisions and refereeing decisions so we could concentrate more on the actual product, the football being played, uh, the, the youngsters coming through. But no, it's, it seems more and more game by game, we're, we're, we're discussing VAR incidents and refereeing decisions and equally at Celtic Park I mean, was the St Mirren uh, red card that, that led to the Celtic penalty is that the correct decision? Again, it was made by a VAR, after a VAR call um, I think I think those games at the weekend tells you everything you need to know about the inconsistencies and grey areas and whatnot that VAR has just brought in, in, into the equation do you think if they had the vote again, do you think a lot of clubs, knowing what they know now, would have a rethink? About I don't think it would be 41 for anyway. No. No. I mean, yeah. I, I, me myself, I was an advocate for it. I thought, uh -huh. right, let's get on board. The, the big leagues have all done it. Scot Scottish football needs to follow the lead before we're left behind and all that. But yeah. it's taken me four months. It probably took me two months. And a game at Livingston against Aberdeen in particular where the three penalties were awarded and the crowd and the press had no idea what was going on. At half time, we got punters coming up asking us what's going on. We had no idea either because there was no announcement in the stadium. That that was two months ago now. But um, nah, it took me a, at the very most two months to, to change my mind on it, get, get back to the way 
games used to be refereed and just accept there will be mistakes made. Um, oh, I don't think you can you can say that for us because you know you know we in particular make a loving it of people you know having meltdowns over refereeing decisions that, that last for weeks. I, I, I'm not sure you can you can go back to that time. Um, I, I think you know if you look at England, obviously this weekend is not a great example because as I say, some of the the shockers that went on down there this weekend, but I think generally speaking, VAR, you know, over the sort of the course of the four or five years that it's been in down there, ha- has improved, has come on, they've tweaked it, they've amended it, they've, you know, they, they've, you know, perfected the, the how, how they operate, if you want to put it that way. I, I think we are going to have to go through something similar. The, the first year down in England, it was a shambles. There was, you know, a huge increase in. in handballs and um, penalty decisions and you know it looks like we are going through something similar at the moment well just whilst the the referees to their own mind they have to readjust their tolerance because you know as soon as you start dissecting things in minuscule detail frame by frame i think the human nature is to go to earn the side of caution and start awarding penalties and, and free kicks and fills and all this sort of stuff and, and dishing out red cards so i think what you'll find is the as the refs, as they get more used to it, as they get more experienced in it, things will calm down. They just think, you know, we're, we're told that we're going to be teething troubles, okay? And you Maxwell said it the last three months, what, we're into four months now, so maybe it'll go on a wee bit longer, but I, I generally think it's something we, need, we do need to persist with because at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, it's here to stop you getting these ridiculous decisions that, you know, are, are true injustices at the minute okay yeah I, I totally accept that it's not been great and there's there's probably been you know awards that just simply weren't merited been been handed out but you know i think what also flags up is that it's not the technology that's at fault here it's it's the fact that the standard of scottish refereeing and we've been, i think we've all been saying it for years isn't good enough and it needs to improve and you know perhaps if this if this shines a light on it a wee bit more and it shows the referees where they need to brush up and, and, and you know come to a, a more consistent level understanding amongst the group of referees and hopefully that can be the, the improvement but I don't see that ever a case as going back the way I just think that would be such a, a retrograde step I just I think that would send out totally the wrong message to, to the rest of the world about how we view our game that you know we can't trust the guys the referees to, to, to make use of technology I think that would just send out a terrible message Do you think it's improved the product though Andy? The, 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 the stoppages the delays the, the confusion uh, Listen again. I, I yeah, I accept it right now. It's not it's not working well. But that's exactly what happened in the Premier League. It's what happened in La Liga. It's what happened in Serie A, uh, in the Bundesliga. When this came in, it, there was, as Ian Maxwell said, a, a, a period of you know adjustment where the referees had to you know find out where the tolerance level is effectively. Because I say I, I really do think that when you start examining these things on a frame by frame basis. You know, you, you do tend to, to 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 start just dishing out penalties and red cards. I mean, I think you know I, I, what I would I'd be keen for the referees to remember is this is supposed to be for clearing obvious mistakes. The, the, the VAR should only be getting involved for howlers, not things that are fifty-fifty calls and grey areas and you know, it could have went one way or the other. If you can if you can make a reasonable argument for a for, for it being a foul or not being a foul. I don't think VAR should be getting involved. I think it should only be when it's an absolute howler of a mistake that you should start going right. Let's get let's get the refs involved. Um, I mean, what I would say is that so of the two incidents at Ibrox, seen as this is a dangerous podcast, the two incidents at Ibrox on Sunday, 
the, the, the Cola Campbell it wasn't spotted. In fact, we played on for another minute, 90 seconds after that before the play got uh, halted and uh, David Monroe get took, uh, sent over to the screen. Um, so I don't think that one gets awarded if the referees are, are told to, you know, go with a clear and obvious um, type uh, you know, level of proof. Um, and then as for the Tillman one, that was, that was given as a penalty. I think that I think that maybe gets overturned if 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 far has been operated properly, because as I say, I don't think it was. I don't think that was a penalty at all. So certainly soft, but, but there you go. In terms, obviously, I mean, there was so much happening that uh, you forget about the actual game itself. But I mean, lost in all of this is probably the fact that Rangers didn't play that well. Well, certainly didn't play well. It was, it was below par first half in particular. Hadji and Cantwell hooked at half time. Was it just too soon for Hadji? Did Michael Beale? Well, I think he kind of admitted himself. He did admit it, didn't he? Can I got it wrong? Um, yeah. Were you surprised that they were run so close and that you know? What what I'll say that it's no surprise that Rangers sort of looked you know a bit heavy legged and um, went at their fluent best because frankly they've only really put on one. I would say one ninety-minute performance so far under Michael Beale, and that was at Tynecastle a couple of weeks back. Um, the rest of the time that they've played in, in spells and patches, but you know we've been having this discussion for, for a few weeks. Gav, the team just isn't, for whatever reason, isn't quite clicking as Michael Beale would hope yet. I mean, obviously results you cannot argue with them. You know, twelve wins, one draw. Um, you know, seven minutes away for, or three minutes away for it being thirteen wins um, under Beale since he came in. Had the uh, Kyogo not but that like equalised an old firm game. So, um, you know, was I surprised by say the team he put out? No, I mean we expect. Uh, he sort of hinted at the pre- pre-match press conference that he was going to put out a strong team. We assumed by that he was going to stick largely by the team that had beat County at the weekend. But he made seven changes. You know, he was also looking to give some guys some minutes who needed them. Obviously, Nico Raskin came in. Again, like the rest of the team, looked a bit flat in the first half, but looked really bright in the second half. Tillman, again, you know, aside from the controversy over the goal, was was superb and you know just looks like a guy who's really growing in stature and is looking like a leader of this team. When the chips are down, he's usually the guy that looks to you know grab the game by the scruff of the neck and get Rangers going. So. I don't think you can fault him so much, but you know, Hadji just looked like a guy that hadn't started a game for 13 months, just didn't look like his fitness levels were, were there yet. Cantwell, I was disappointed with. You know, I, I, I didn't see his debut against Johnston. I was at Tynecastle where he came on for the last sort of 15, 20 minutes and looked bright against Ross County at the weekend. He, he looked energetic, but again, as an overall team performance, it wasn't great. Uh, and again, you know, it, Rangers just managed to get themselves in this rut, and it's it's it wasn't through a lack of intensity. It was just through basic mistakes. The amount of time they turned over possession, the amount of times that they they gave the way the ball away unchallenged was just um, I think would be the thing that really frustrates Michael Beale because this team clearly is better than that. They've got guys with individual qualities, and they just need to start showing it now. I mean, I think. I'm not saying there's, there's concerns about Michael Beale's management because you can't, as I say, you cannot argue with um, the, the results. But I think fans would expect to see 
in terms of patterns of play, in terms of how the team looks, the style that they produce, would expected by this point now, especially when the work, the 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 workload, the schedule isn't is quite heavy. You'll have more time in the training field. I think we would expect to see a wee bit more verve from their team, a wee bit more, you know, excitement. And you know, as I say, apart from that Tyne Castle game, it's not really been there. And, and, and certainly the first half against this one on Sunday night was another, you know, another sort of pretty drab display. Just finally, Fraser, I mean, it's all about the cup final. As Andy says, it was a bit drab against Partick Thistle. Livingston away on Saturday, they had a shock of themselves in the cup. You would expect a reaction from them. It's an uncharacteristically bad performance from them. They've been going so well. Never easy at Livingston. I know it's a cliche, that pitch and all that. But how important going in, in the final game before that cup final that they produce something just to give them confidence getting into that game at Hamden? Massive. Uh, you could potentially say that's maybe the hardest fixture in Scottish Premiership right now after if you take Celtic out of the equation. Because mm -hmm. Rangers never seem to have a problem going to Tynecastle these days. Mm -hmm. uh, but everyone knows what you're going to get against Livingston at the Tony Macaroni Arena. And to be fair to David Martindale, he's got his team playing some fantastic football right now. The old accusations that they're kicking rush in your face, kick you off the ball. Absolute nonsense. That's If that was ever the case, it's long gone. Livingston have players that can play football and can hurt you if given the opposition. And big Joe Nibley has obviously come back in to the side and weekend apart has looked pretty good. Um, so a huge challenge, but I'd, I'd thoroughly expect the big the big players to come back in for Rangers for them to be back at full tilt. You know, I, I don't think you can underestimate the impact taking the likes of Connor Goldston out of the, the team, um, yeah. or more to the point, handing a debut to, to Raskin, asking him to form immediate uh, relationships with Todd Cantwell and guys he's never played with before. Likewise, Hadji, nowhere near up to speed yet. Yeah. That's yeah. all going to have an impact on the day. And Patrick Thistle were also very good in the day, had a, a game plan that they, they carried out pretty well, were in their face. So <clears throat> I think it's a wee bit harsh to be too critical of Rangers at the weekend, I think the strongest team available out this weekend at Livingston, I think they will, maybe not quite comfortably take the victory, but I think they will be a more polished performance and certainly give them a bit of a, done, a, bit of a confidence done ahead of going into that massive game the, the following week. Brilliant. Okay, Fraser, thank you. Andy, thanks very much for your time. Um, and I hope when you're through at Livingston on Saturday, Andy, it's uh, a bit more stress-free than uh, Sunday Ibrox. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I hope the bar announcements are a bit better. That, that'd be a good start. <laughs> Great. Thank you, boys. Cheers, boys. Right, all the best.